Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Screen Heroes. This is episode 196. I am Derek, your regular host, and I have with me virtually online on the World Wide Web, my two lovely hosts, Ryan. Hi. And Ray. Hi. And we are sounding a little different, I'm sure. As most of you know, we're not really supposed to go anywhere. And so we are in our own individual places and we're recording online. So things are going to sound a little bit different. There's not going to be a live stream right now. We're going to come up with a solution for that here as soon as we can. But I got my own house just for the occasion. Yeah. Well, we are recording on different floors, Ray and I, to be fair. Uh, but that's more so we don't interact with each other's audio. But anyway, we'll kick things off with news, of course. And then we are actually going to be returning to our bad movie reviews segment with Ryan's latest pick, The Last Dragon. So after the news segment, that's what we'll be moving over to there. So, all right, let's kick off news. Um, everything's closed. Nothing's in production. That's cool. Um, if you listen to last week's short, modified kind of mini episode, I went through a, a long list of productions that had been delayed or put on hold indefinitely, as well as some stuff that was going straight to video. But Ryan and Ray, you guys missed that last week. So is there anything you think is worth bringing up or telling people in the world of entertainment well birds of prey dropped today so that's nice on video on demand that's cool, cool. Yeah. yeah i'm excited to rewatch that i thought it was a fun movie yeah i was kind of hoping that they would put it on like the streaming service dc universe or something like that but not not that lucky i guess so it's what yeah. like 20 bucks to, to watch that to buy it to buy it yeah yeah, nice. digital purchase. Yeah, um, so there's like a split. Some things like NBC Universal put four of their movies out to rent for 19.99 each for 48 hours. That kind of rental program that like Amazon has, uh, but through NBC Universal. But Bloodshot and Birds of Prey, um, and I believe Sonic the Hedgehog are going to be for purchase mm-hmm. for the same well, price. Yeah, it's hard to justify twenty dollars for rental. Yeah, yeah, I, especially um, given that so many people are 
you know, restricted with, with their income right now on top of it. But, you know, at least 20 bucks to purchase it, that's standard. That's what all new movies cost to buy digitally. So at least that's not any, anything different. So that's good. Right. Um, anything else, anything else that hit that you guys want to talk about from that standpoint? Well, Wonder Woman was definitely pushed back until August, and it's going to open August 14th now instead of in June. And then also Scoob and the uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda musical in the Heights, it was also pushed back, but the two of them don't have set dates at this time. Gotcha. Yeah, the fall is going to get crowded really quickly, I imagine. I thought the Wonder Woman comment that they put out was pretty funny where it was like, oh, this movie was meant to be viewed on the big screen. So that's what we're going to stick with. But then, like, I don't know, a week ago or so, they said there's no chance of it coming out on streaming services because the only way to make our money back is to release it in movies. So, yeah, it's like, what was it? What is it, the money or is it the fact that it was made to be viewed on the big screen? I, I mean, come on. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you there. It's definitely a financial decision more than anything. I mean, look, I'm obviously I like seeing things on the big screen, especially superhero, sci-fi, fantasy, blockbuster stuff. But this is a financial decision, right? Because movies never make the same at home that they do on the on the big screen unless the the big screen was a flop, unless it wasn't a hit and it became kind of a cult following you know, or it was a limited release or something like an indie project. You know, there, I don't think there are any superhero flicks that made more money on video than they did at the box office. <laughs> right. And Wonder Woman certainly wouldn't. No, no, I wouldn't think so. So yeah. So August for that, um, things are just going to continue to get pushed. I'm wait, waiting to hear what they're going to do with black widow that that's of course been, been delayed as well. We just don't know until when though there's been, you know, rumors circulating that they'll drop it on Disney plus I I would still be shocked if they do that. I mean, I right now there's kind of a content drought on there, right? They had the the Mandalorian, then they had Clone Wars, and now they have nothing. And so I understand that that would get subscribers going, but again, they're not. Is that enough money to offset the the lost box office? Yeah, I mean, my thing about Black Widow going if it went to the streaming service is kind of a punch in the face to you know the, the first female superhero well second i guess female superhero in uh the mcu getting her own movie is you know she's just gonna go straight to on demand that would i don't know yeah it's a fair point i mean i i don't know it's a tough decision though because it would also probably make a ton of people very happy to be able to watch that at home right now with their kids and everything like that without having to spend a fortune it's true. It just seems like it's, you know, women already get the shaft when it comes to uh, the amount of female superheroes we see on the screen. So having it drop to the little screen instead of the big screen right away would be a little disappointing. But yeah, so it would be nice to sit at home and watch it myself. Ray, do you have any thoughts on that? No, not really. You guys are feminist as fuck tonight. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just tonight? I mean, come on. I, you guys have listened to me for the last like six years. Do your thing. Like, it's finally rubbed off. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, well, so an interesting fact uh, for the first time since movies have existed in theaters, the uh, U S box office reported $0. So 
that's great so i guess that means every theater in the country is is functionally closed at this point so as far as entertainment 1930s is that like i mean whatever the first theater showing was i'm not sure when that was um but you know that means our new segment's probably going to be a little bit shorter than usual we're probably not going to have a ton to talk about until this is kind of reaching some light at the end of the tunnel when at least productions have new dates to get started again and things of that nature um last week I mentioned a lot of the nighttime talk shows went on hiatus and at least some of those were supposed to be coming back in the next week or two. Um, John Oliver, uh, for example, is supposed to return. Uh, if not this week, it's next week. And so maybe we'll start having some things moving at a smaller scale production. Are they going to have audiences? I assume not that uh, that would be my assumption. I would be, I would be shocked if they did uh, mainly because a, mo- like most of these shows are filmed in New York um, and New York is basically uh, on a lockdown situation, just like we are here in Kansas City. So I, I don't know that going to see, you know, Stephen Colbert or Jimmy Fallon can constitute essential business, but <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe it is for somebody. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so this new segment, we'll just have to kind of play it by ear and do what we can. So our episodes may be a little bit shorter than usual, but we still want to get content out to you guys. Um, is there anything else news-wise that you guys would like to cover? We had Rosario Dawson cast, uh, not officially, it's still technically a rumor, but it's been confirmed by a couple other, uh, a couple big news sources uh, that she's joining the Mandalorian season two. Yes, that would be pretty big. Um, you know, there, there's been all this talk for a couple of years now about her maybe playing Ahsoka, and it looks like maybe that's finally going to happen. And then Kyle Reese from the, I don't remember the actor's name, but Michael from Bean. A- Michael Bean from Alien and uh, and Terminator uh, is also joining in an unknown role. It's so crazy that they were able to hide this. At, like, production's done. Yeah, it's been done for a while. Yeah, they're, they're good. I mean, part of it is the advantage of the way they're filming Mandalorian is it's all shot indoors on these absolutely incredible sound stages that use AI to render the backgrounds and stuff. So there's no um, there's no like on site filming. They don't have any of that on right. location. I mean, on location. So, so there's no set photos or anything like that unless it's leaked by somebody on the actual set. Exactly. Exactly. You don't have any of those outside people. So I would imagine that those sets are pretty locked down. Yeah, you're probably right. It's not like the Batman where they can just sit sit and take pictures from a mile away and post them on the Internet five minutes later for a million hits. Yeah. Right. Or even Endgame. I remember how early we got Endgame photos of them like down on the streets and stuff and like the mocap suits and everything. It's true. And all the rumors of different timelines started to come out because of those shots. Like they just don't have that for the Mandalorian, which, you know, is impressive. Yeah, for sure. Anything else? I don't know that we have anything else. Been a quiet news week. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, then here's what we'll do. We'll go ahead and take our short break now. And when we come back, Ryan will tell us all about why he picked The Last Dragon as his bad movie review for this week. Um, Just so you guys know, for next week, we are actually going to be talking about and discussing the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles live action film for its 30th anniversary.
and i'm sure we'll talk about secret of the use a little bit in there too but it's really about the first movie because it's that that's the anniversary for that so all right we will be right back recently on the heroes podcast network echo station well what's the main think... what's the main planet that indoor the forest moon of indoor it's a moon so it's there's a major planet obviously that it is the forest moon of indoor is indoor the actual planet then see th- isn't that confusing Yes. Is it the forest moon of the planet Indoor, or is it the forest moon called Indoor? Kaiju Curry House. Because I'm just wondering, are Pokemon Kaiju? They are pocket monsters. They are pocket monsters, Paul. They're, pocket, they're monsters, yeah, aren't they? They're, they're, um, just, so... they are yokai, officially. <laughs> yokai. Yeah, so, um... What's like... a yokai? Red shirts and runabouts. Something we've talked about before, and other people have, but there's, there's so much of real-life history involved with Star Trek. From Gene Roddenberry's days, his time in the military as, a, as on, on a bomber pilot, as a bomber crewman, you know, James Doohan serving, all these people and all these real-life events that have impacted things. That's very realistic of political and military leaders kind of resigning in protest at a decision they can't control. Subscribe today at heroespodcast.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, podcast addict and more hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And welcome back to this awesome podcast. We are talking about Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon on our latest bad movie review. 1985 classic Motown slash Kung Fu wannabe film. Derek and Rachel were watching it for the first time. I was not. Yep. Um. If you haven't seen it, it's kind of a weird hybrid movie, um, kind of a Motown meets Kung Fu. Uh, I don't even really know how to go any deeper than that with it, but it's uh, it's a very interesting film. Um, And I'm sure you guys have a lot of great thoughts that I can't wait to hear. Nailed it. Nailed it. Um, Well, I I will say, surprisingly, this movie actually performed fairly well at the box office. Yeah, I mean, um, triple its triple its budget. It did. So it had a ten million dollar budget. It made over half of that opening weekend alone, five point two million, and then it made thirty three million in its domestic run, uh, which adjusted for inflation would be almost eighty five million dollars. It's pretty good in nineteen eighty five. I mean, considering considering that this, you know, it. It looks more low budget than I guess it was, which is unfortunate. But, you know, when you think about the biggest name out of this cast in modern day is William H. Macy. <laughs> um, it's kind of a funny thing that it actually was doing pretty well in theaters, I have to say. But, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. People review it fairly well. It's got a 6.9 on on IMDb. I think you described it fairly well. I think it's it's hard for me to know if it was meant to be satirical or not. Hmm. If that makes sense. I mean, I never really, 
I don't know. I never really thought of it as a satire, but that doesn't necessarily... I'm pretty dense when it comes to that kind of thing, so you might have picked more up from it than I did. I, also I don't think it, it was the first satire at all. <laughs> no? <Okay>. No. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> I okay. thought, legit, Barry Gordy with his uh, drug-addled ass was like, I'm gonna make a kung fu movie. Sir, do you even know how to make movies? I'm gonna! Like... That's what I think happened. Okay. Okay. I mean, that's fair. Um, so I am, I am not a martial arts film expert by any stretch of the imagination. So um, I, I'm going to lean probably a little bit more on you guys for this part of it. But the Bruce Lee at, well, okay. So I guess spoiler alerts for anybody that cares about The Last Dragon from 1985. Um, the Bruce Lee aspects to the film couldn't really decide how to feel about that right because in the beginning of the movie in the movie theater they're playing a bruce lee film and all i could think about the entire time is mystery science theater 3000 overdrawn at the memory bank which is a raw julia film where they're playing casablanca in that movie and one of the robots makes a joke about how you should never show a good movie in the middle of your bad movie and that's I what this that's made me think fair. of, right? Right. So yeah. like, I, they just they and you know they call him he's um, uh, Bruce oh, what, Leroy. What, Bruce Lee, Leroy. Thank you. Yeah, it's Bruce Leroy, and he's doing the noises that Bruce Lee would do from time to time, and he even wears the a, a white ju- a yellow jumpsuit that's very similar to to one that Bruce Lee had. Mm-hmm. It felt it felt really kind of strange. I couldn't tell if it was like a homage to bruce lee or if it was a they were ripping off bruce lee um i mean i can give some clarity to that i mean bruce lee died in 1973 and this movie came out in 1985 everything about it to me seemed like an homage i didn't think that there was any real ripoff um i mean that black culture and uh motown culture has all there's kung fu plays a large part in their culture, uh, in that culture for a lot of people. Um, Wu-Tang famously is a huge martial arts fans and uh, has done some choreography and martial arts movies. Um, and I, that's, that's where I get that knowledge from since I'm not black, obviously I don't have uh, as much knowledge on that, but I know that it's been an important part of that culture for a long time. And I think uh, this movie was trying to capitalize on that. I agree. It did come off as, you know, just a love letter to Bruce Lee. I didn't think it was making fun of him or even trying to emulate. I thought it was more like, we're going to do this our way. I could definitely see how people would think that it's making fun of him or there, there's certain parts that might come across that way since they really cheese up the, the uh, Leroy character. And, you know, he eats popcorn with chopsticks and I mean, everything about him is over the top in terms of like a Kung Fu fan. But uh, I don't know. I don't think that it was it definitely came across more as an homage to me. Didn't seem malicious. Right. Okay. Well, I don't know that. I don't, I don't know that I meant malicious necessarily, you know, um, taking somebody else's ideas isn't necessarily done like with malicious intent as much as just 
opportunistic, you know. Um, no, that's fair. That's more of the tone I was going with for for that. So well, I don't know why genre movies like um, Kung Fu can't cross into d- other genres and appeal to different markets. So I I think it was a brave attempt. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I actually think it was fairly successful. I mean, it made a lot of money, like Derek said, and uh, it's cons- considered a cult classic. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the IMDb user review, or the Rotten Tomatoes user reviews, it's like two and a half points higher than the, uh, it's like a, it's 8.4 versus like a 6.2 from the critics. Um, so I don't know, the cu- culture has kind of latched onto it and this weird, you know, a weird, weird movie that you almost can't describe accurately. Um, it it did pretty well. Yeah, you know, I laughed through a lot of it, of course, you know, because, I mean, it's it's an older film. And some of these martial arts films just don't age particularly well, and that's not necessarily their fault. But um, I think my biggest problem with the movie is that the story just kind of meanders a bit before yeah. it really finds its footing you know because like you have so many things going on you've got the shogun of ha- of harlem he's a thing and then you've got leroy and his journey and that's a thing and then you've got the um you know the bad businessman guy from every 80s movie um, <laughs> and, and he's a thing right and he looks but- like the live action gargamel <laughs> that's fairly accurate right he looks exactly yeah. like i would picture gargamel to look yeah, that's really good. <laughs> oh man, um, but like getting those three stories to actually like intersect with each other takes that like an a hour while. and a half, right? Yeah, that dragged on. Also, I had an issue with the cuts. Like it, every ch- change of scenery didn't feel like a story progression. I felt like I was watching three or four different movies until it all kind of made sense so just the editing in that and the storytelling as well it was very convoluted yeah i think that's fair i i think there was definitely like the editing was certainly an issue for that and the pacing was as well because it almost felt like for the first hour of the movie it almost felt like it was different movies that they were trying to stitch together and post Mm mm-hmm you know, um, like I couldn't really see where these things were supposed to intersect with each other. And there were parts of it that I really liked, actually. Um, uh, Lee, uh, Leroy and um, and Charles, I liked the two of them together. I thought it was really cute and it was sweet and a little awkward, but it felt like maybe there was some chemistry there. Uh, so I, I like that aspect of the story. You like uh, Charles being Laura Charles? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and uh, what's funny about that is uh, Tymac, the guy that plays Leroy, had never acted before this movie. No, Uh, yeah, and I mean, (laughs) when you go back and look at it, it's pretty obvious. But yes, it is. The the chemistry between the two of them was actually pretty good and made his acting better because it felt like uh, he wasn't having to act as much. It seemed like um, she helped him a lot through it and that maybe, you know, she calmed his nerves or something. She was actually, if you ask me, the best actor in the movie, probably. I mean, she felt like a lot like uh, Gina Davis, you know, in other 80s movies, somebody that 
you know, has done a lot of these. And I don't think she had done a lot before this movie, if anything. Um, but I, she she was she was really good, I thought. Yeah, she was. I can I agree with that. I definitely think she was the strongest presence um, uh, as far as like screen presence is concerned. But, you know, I I don't really know her from anything else, though. You know, she still she acted up through the, the late 90s. Um, you know, but she, uh, she actually, she, she died in 2016. Yeah. Turns out liver um, failure fairly young, which is sad, of course. Um, but they were cute together. I thought it was a cute little couple. It felt, it felt really nice. It was a, a little telegraph because the little brother is like so obsessed with her. I'm like, okay, so she's going to end up with the older brother, but I thought it worked out. I thought it was that to me was the best part of the movie. The little brother was pretty great too. I thought he, I mean, he's always wearing leather pants, which is weird. And he's I didn't like, even notice that <laughs> he's like 10 years old, but he's constantly talking about how he wants to make out with this, like probably 20 year old, at least mm-hmm. uh, woman, which is a little weird. Um, you know, there were so uncomfortable moments when he's talking about it, like his brother, <laughs> how his brother, he doesn't know his brother doesn't know how to have sex. And he's basically call it saying he doesn't have a paintbrush and like all this other stuff as an allegory for, you know, that was awkward. Exactly. I did not like that at all. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> it was, but then you got the moment with Laura where he's like, I don't even have a paintbrush, which yeah. was a, I thought was pretty good. But yeah, uh, it that whole thing was weird. But that kid was a pretty good actor. I don't really like kid actors, but he did pretty good. Yeah, he definitely he, his he had a strong presence on screen as well. Um, so, OK, how do you guys feel about the actual martial arts in the movie, the fighting itself, the way it was portrayed? Mm. uh okay. <laughs> well sorry for such a controversial question <laughs> it's there were parts that were pretty good there, you could tell there were multiple choreographers on the film only one of which was i was familiar with at all and that was ernie reyes senior uh who was i don't know if you guys have ever seen surf ninjas but that might be my next bad movie review um from the 90s but he was in that movie and he was a stunt choreographer for a lot of the stuff in the uh, 80s and 90s but his son, Ernie Reyes Jr., is was Kino in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Use, which we're probably going to talk about next week. Oh, and he I was also the Kino. little boy. He was also the little boy in this movie. The little uh, boy from oh, the yeah. dojo. Okay. No way. Yes. And when you, uh, the scene where they, like, they have all the thugs come in to the dance club to fight him. Yeah. Um, the guy that the little kid is fighting that's like dressed up in camo. That's actually Ernie Reyes Sr. So the kid is fighting his dad. And so they did all the choreography. And that was some of the best choreography in the movie. Probably because Ernie Reyes Sr. is a better choreographer than anybody else in this film. But yeah, that was a lot of weird, like, things I just threw at you guys. Well, first off, that's adorable. And I love it. And that makes me really happy because that kid fighting was was really fun to watch. He was he's very charismatic, but he also was in uh, Secret of the U's also like he's just a a charismatic person. He did seem like, though, like of everybody in the in the movie, he seemed to be the best martial artist, which isn't a great thing for the film. Right. That's true. But I mean, he he grew up in martial arts, so I I legitimately thought that Leroy did as best as he possibly could. I thought that he gave it his all, and clearly he's not on the same level of some of the other people we've seen in these movies. Bruce Lee, for one, Tony Jaa, but he he held his own. I thought it was was really he was not bad. 
No, it was really shown up that I was like, how is this guy beating you, dude? <laughs> shown up was so good, though. He's so different than like all the other villains in movies in the 80s, right? No, like, you're right. He is I love completely. Yeah. But the, Mr. The, Mr. Nuff. Mr. Nuff. <laughs> That's but what the, the guy kept calling him. Is, the problem is that at the end of the day, the film's big bad is still the white asshole businessman. Right. Right. And it's completely like unrelated storyline of uh, the the girlfriend and the music video and like that whole thing. Yeah. Wanting to make money off his girlfriend. Yeah. But but it just kind of for me, it kind of undercuts the whole Shogun storyline because Shogun's been trying to fight Leroy for seemingly weeks or months or, you know, who knows how long and hasn't been able to figure out a way to do it. But don't worry. This businessman will come in and make it happen for you. And like that just was kind of I don't know. I I really could have done without that. I think you're right. I think Shogun was a good villain in himself. And adding, whatever. <laughs> I, I don't I don't um but adding in uh Arcadian, I think, was just I think that that was too much. I don't think it was needed. Yeah, that was a weird storyline. Like he had this tank with some sort of creature in it that we don't know anything about. I'm uh, so mad I didn't see that animal once. Right? Like, and they, they use it like twice, and it's yes. uh, and then it's abandoned. But then at the end of the film, that when they're fighting in the warehouse, there's that like t- tank of water, and they're you know uh, I. Um, Leroy's getting dunked into it, right? And I'm like, oh my god, the thing is going to be in there. And then nothing happens. <laughs> I just thought that was dirty as hell. I was like, that's been sitting there. Let's not do that, guys. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, one of my favorite things about this movie is that it's it takes place in 1985 in Harlem, but it's so... the Like, what blows my mind is that it was filmed in the eighties. It is, it takes place in 1985, but it looks way more eighties than the eighties actually were. Everything is like eighties dialed to 11. Yes. But nothing was like this guys. Yes. The fortune (laughs) cookie guys, the movie scene that it starts right from the very beginning when he's sitting in the movie theater. And then like some guys come in with a, with a boom box and start like popping and locking in the middle of the (laughs) aisle. You know what I mean? Like, everything about this movie made the 80s seem so much more 80s than they actually were and i love that so much (laughs) like it would be one thing if it was a movie that was made today and they made the 80s look so extreme but this was actually made in the 80s but the actual 80s weren't 80s enough so what you're (laughs) saying is is that the last dragon was ahead of its time i guess so i don't really know what i'm saying but everything being so turned up is hilarious to me Fair enough. Fair enough. The, the um, fortune cookie guys were like ridiculous, and I love it. They absolutely were. I I did like how there ended up being an explanation for the whole master thing. Like there was a computer in the back. I thought that was pretty clever of a way to kind of wrap up that storyline. But um, I, I don't know that the ma- his original master sending him on a wild goose chase is the most responsible thing to do. Well, his original master seemed to be looking for ways to teach him that were out of the box, obviously. Um, or out of his or the sight, cookie. I think. Out of the cookie, I guess. <laughs> right. But yeah, I mean, it's 
I don't know. I didn't have that much of a problem. They could have probably done without the whole like master subplot also. Well, that's the thing, right? Because I think there is a really good story in here. You've got, you know, Leroy is learning how to become this master and be self-sufficient, self-reliant, and he meets uh, Laura and they have a thing for each other and he doesn't really want to fight Shonuff and that's so he kidnaps his girl and then that's how they get to fight. Like, I feel like that's a perfectly fine story. Right. No, I'm yeah. not disagreeing. Um, so, so it's almost kind of a shame because there's actually, I think there's a good movie in here. And I think they just way over engineered it with all this extra stuff. Right. No, I, I would agree with that. Uh, did you guys watch this movie and like recognize random people and go, oh, I, I yeah. know that person? Yeah, the driver. And of course, William H. Macy was. The... Yeah, that was random. I had forgotten yeah. he was in this, honestly. In that one scene. Yeah. It was just like um, his first movie, though. It was, and yeah. Ar- Arcadian's like number number two guy uh, is like a mobster and freaking everything. Yep. Yeah, he yeah. was uh, he was in Dumb and Dumber. That's where I knew him from. Oh, sure. He was the he was the guy that was sent to get kill him or whatever. I don't remember, but he then he dies from the rat poison. In right, the yeah, car, my... he has to hear the most annoying sound. Oh yeah, yeah, that one too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mike's Mike Star. He's he's got like he just has that kind of personality that's really good for a mob mob boss kind of guy, you know. Um, so I definitely noticed that the girl, Arcadian's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, she is, or I knew her from uh, Spin City. She was, oh, uh, yeah. yeah, she was Richard Kind's fiance. Um, but she was also nominated for a Tony for uh, Guys and Dolls, yep, uh, by Broadway Revival. So she's, huh. uh, she's, yeah, she's pretty talented. Well, there you go. Look at that. Yeah. I, 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 I saw her and I, I knew the face looked familiar and I couldn't place it at all. Yeah, that's where I knew her from. Uh, and it was been bugging me, too. I ended up having to look her up on IMDb because, yeah. So, Ray, what are some parts about the film that caught your attention? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get you involved. Uh, why? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Like, we've talked about a lot of the stuff so far. Um, some One of the thing music- we, yeah, I was gonna, that's what I was actually just going to bring up. One thing we haven't talked about is the soundtrack. What did you guys yeah. think of the soundtrack? Well, it was all Motown music. It was all very recognizable. So I was kind of groove into that. Yeah, the soundtrack's so, great. So DeBarge, Rhythm of the Night. Yeah, this this movie was actually like they didn't write it for this movie, but they did uh, this. This movie like released at the same time as the song. So this movie actually like propelled that song into popular uh, culture. That makes kind of crazy. Yeah. Mar- we, we were watching it. And my girlfriend asked, you know, was that written for this movie? Because a lot of the songs sound like a very familiar 80s song but then they're just a little bit off it's like a right. knockoff version of a lot of the songs but uh yeah that one was that was the real song and that was uh yeah this movie kind of propelled that to popularity believe it or not and then you know the glow song is one of my favorite 80s movie songs <laughs> he's got the glow yeah so let's so let's good. talk about the glow for a minute let's uh because 
that 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 for me was the worst part of the movie really yes not the song the actual special effects because (laughs) sorry not the song but the the actual like the glow that they have and in the final fight because everything in this movie is very grounded and realistic everything that everybody's doing is real stuff that a person can do it's a lot of bully gang violence and you know mob threatening violence and very standard kind of stuff and then at the very end in the 11th hour all of a sudden there's like superpowers i mean they it's not really like out of the blue though they talk about it the whole movie like even in the first like five minutes they talk about the final level and getting the glow yeah, I, I but I didn't realize an hour because this is an hour and fifty minute movie here. I didn't realize that long beforehand that they were being literal. But then you learned they were. Yeah, and I just that didn't work for me. Hmm, that's disappointing. <laughs> I mean, I didn't I, mind it. Yeah, no? I mean, like the effect, no. effects weren't great, but. I wasn't expecting great effects, to be honest. I I didn't mind it because I just guessed from the beginning they were being literal about their like hand magic. Well, okay. they also they also have said that the, that master can make their body with, have a golden glow. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they flat out describe exactly what happens. So I mean, I feel like that's kind of on you, Derek. Honestly, yeah, if you're not you're expecting just not it. Paying attention. Well, yeah. no, hang on. So the, the, the original master at the beginning lies to him multiple times throughout this movie. So I have no reason to believe really anything that he says. The guy just wanted to go on vacation. Yeah, I know. He just wanted this kid out of his house. Oh, I, I get it. He gave him a belt buckle and, and that was funny. Um, but because uh, because Laura realizes it's a belt buckle, but Leroy doesn't. Yeah. Uh, that was hilarious. Um, I really like that. But I just I like that it was grounded. Like that's why like the the movie in here that I actually think is a really good movie is that core story of Leroy, Laura, and Shonuff. I think that's the good real story there. And I think when you start adding mystical stuff to it, it just it's even more over engineering on top of all this other stuff. That's all. Nah, I don't know. Mystical stuff in kung fu movies is not that outlandish for me, so I don't mind it. In general, no. I mean, you're right. I just meant in, just in this one film. That's all. Okay. Well, I I, I liked it, Derek. I'm sorry. I'm the effects sorry. were so bad. Like the, they, they were not great <laughs> uh, for a ten million dollar budget. I'm pretty sure six million or seven million of that was cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> and then the rest went to the actors, and they had like five hundred bucks at the end, and they're like, well. Let's make the glow. Well, I mean, when you think this movie came out, you know, 1985, so Ghostbusters was already out. The Star Wars trilogy was already out. So that's kind of an idea of what special effects can look like. Um, But, you know, 10 million still isn't a ton. And there was a pretty big cast here, especially when you include everybody that had to be involved in the the choreography and the fight scenes towards the end of the film. It's, It's a lot of bodies. It's true. You know, and there's a lot of sets involved. I mean, you have the whole studio, which had to be, you know, dressed up. You had the pizza shop that had to be destroyed. You had the house. You had the dojo. Um, you know, the the cook, uh, fortune cookie factory. Yeah, you know, there's just there are so many locations. Considering how little time this movie seems to cover, there's still a ton of places they have to go. 
It's true. Yeah, I was thinking that when I watched it. I was like, there's a lot of sets on this movie. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, I'm sure a lot of that was on location stuff, you know, to, to save on budget, too. But um, it's still a lot of, you know, moving camera crews around and, and all those different types of things. And um, lots of costuming, you know, lot, lots of people had to be in crazy get up. Very few people wore normal clothes in this movie. It's true. You know, pretty much everything was custom in some way. And Leroy had a new outfit for just about every scene. He did. I personally <laughs> like the uh, red see-through uh, shirt over the tank top. That oh yeah, fun. super mm. classy. Uh, so here's some here's some fun facts for you guys. Denzel Washington auditioned for both Leroy and Shonuff. Yes. Whoa. Wesley Snipes auditioned for Leroy. Lawrence Fishburne lobbied very hard for the role of Leroy. Oh wow. Uh, Jim Brown, Fred Williamson, Ron O'Neill, Billy D. Williams, and Carl Weathers were all considered for the role of Shonuff. What? Yep. Yep, yep. Did like did some of them turn it down? Was it like cost issues or I mean I like why didn't we why didn't were, we get that? It says they were all considered. So I'm guessing that they didn't like them as much as they like the actor that we got for them. Man, that's intense. I will say that I thought the representation in this movie was really good for a film in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, I mean you had Chinese, white, black, all kinds of uh people in this movie that you didn't really get that a lot in the eighties or like, you know, like in ghostbusters, the black guy would be like the mostly uneducated guy that just kind of joins in later. Um, whereas this one, you know, they were all, all those, all the races and even the women for a lot of it were portrayed as uh, pretty strong characters. They absolutely mm-hmm. were. The only thing that really bothered me about that was at the end uh, clearly whatever restraints they had on Laura was not good enough because her acting was just like super over the top at one point and like it, she could have easily gotten away like she's a foot and a half taller than Arcadian and she's still <laughs> pretending that his tie is holding her back so she had to work extra hard and I feel like set design could have like made it a little bit more convincing That's true. but yeah um, her and uh, the girlfriend were incredibly multifaceted for a very, it, it was just super unexpected. They could have just been there for looks. Yeah. And Laura Charles did have kind of the whole damsel in distress, you know, storyline, but also when she got kidnapped and taken to the apartment, she was like, no, I'm not playing this thing on my show. When right. she's surrounded by people that, she like they might be wanting to kill her or like beat her up or whatever so you know she got kind of a little bit of both so i was kind of giving it a pass on how much they had her as the damsel in distress i don't mind that she helped move the story along by playing the damsel i just mind that like at the very end it really looks like she has to phone it in because there's no reason she should actually still be in any restraints it's true also that dress she had at the very end was really bad it kept getting shorter and shorter and i couldn't tell if that was the position she was in or if it was a costuming thing they were coming up and like shortening it or something but it was it started out much longer in the club and then got shorter and shorter yeah it was weird well what Derek, else any thoughts on any of that no, I mean, I'm with you there. I I thought it was 
it was never convincing at the end that she was really being held captive. That's all. I mean, he did have a gun, so, you know, I mean, some of the time, like he, there, there were times earlier on where she easily could have, you know, try to, you know, do the foot stomp thing or hit him in the groin or any number of things. Cause her legs are completely free. There was a lot of nut kicks in this movie. That's Ball true. Stuff. That was hilarious. Yeah. yeah they I just they didn't let anybody off the hook. If you were a man in this movie, you probably got kicked in the nuts. If you're a bad guy, especially. And she's also like two feet taller than this dude. So like, really, I don't know that she couldn't have just taken him. Right. But didn't he also have the, the boxer guy which well, was, was another the, unnecessary storyline well a- after that though like when they when they're in that ending warehouse oh, they okay split yeah, up yeah, and yeah. He, gets, he right. gets the kid right and it's just the two of them and i feel like she could have taken him i don't know like yeah it's of course when, when when rocks around it's a totally different conversation but um yeah i mean god <laughs> the whole yeah. we, I, I got you to throw your fight so now you work for me and it's like okay and then they keep referencing that it's like okay we have like 20 storylines going on in this movie which ones should i be paying attention to well, for, for, first off if you're gonna have a boxer in your film don't call him rock just don't 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 do that <laughs> i knew that would bother you <laughs> just don't do that and also I, maybe have him box sometime in the movie like he dude. never really boxed at all Right. Because like he and uh, Leroy never really come face to face. No. You know, and I feel like that could have been a cool moment to have like Kung Fu versus boxing. Yeah, it could have been like one of the It Man three moments when he's fighting Mike Tyson, where you have Kung Fu versus boxing. Uh, right. Yeah, like, I just think that could it. have been they didn't do it. It could have been cool, you know, but um, we don't even get to see like footage of him boxing on a TV somewhere or anything. It's just no. this weird, weird subplot that has zero bearing on anything. I mean, he's. He's a henchman for like a mob guy. Just like, that's all I need to know. I don't know, need to know the why. And whose creature, that. whose creature was that? That they had in okay. that tank? I thought so it was it Rock's. It was, okay. so the, the way the movie explains it is Rock got it because Arcadian wanted it. And then Arcadian hated it. So he told Rock to get rid of it. But then Arcadian changed his mind and thought they could feed people to it. Goodness. <laughs> but then he gets his head dunked in it. Hot <laughs> head so need cool water. It yeah, was so that. good. That was such a great moment. So what do you guys think it is? What's your speculation? I don't know. I, I want to think it's just piranha. like Yeah, I want to think it's just like a school of piranha. I was hoping it was like a big barracuda. <laughs> Ooh, barracuda makes sense. It's definitely like a larger creature. It's not like a school of smaller ones because there's a moment where you see part of it come out of the water. So somebody um, actually made a creature for that and it never got to be. Well, we don't shown. know how much of it was made. It That's could have true. been a very small portion, but I mean, you might be right, but I think, I think Ray might, might have it. It might be something like a barracuda. That's a pretty good guess. It probably is. I don't know. I, I get when I was younger and I was watching this movie, I always thought it was some kind of like sea monster. Yeah. But I can see that. It's, it's just such a random thing. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of randomness uh, in this movie that are, that it's just, things you're like oh okay and then then they just move on from that and you just have to keep going you know so um, I, one thing i another thing i liked about this movie is show enough from the very beginning talks about how he wants to fight leroy and everything else but he like waits until leroy actually wants to fight like 
he could have started a fight with Leroy any of those times. He could have oh, just yeah. like, punched punched him in the face, and that would have started. Because remember in the dojo, the one time the girl hits him in the face, or the woman hits him in the face, and he kind of like gets into a fighting stance and then backs off immediately. So obviously, like he's they know they can push that button and get him to fight, but he doesn't. And there's, so I like that Shonuff still has some kind of code of honor. So I I took it a little bit different, not as so much a code of honor as much as if he he's trying to to gain everybody's respect and fear, right? And so if he were to just jump Leroy and just take a swing at him and a sucker punch him or something, nobody's going to say that he's better than Leroy. They're going to say that he just got the jump on him. Well, so I mean, he wants he wants a public fair fight so that way everyone can see him win fair and square. But he doesn't want a public fair fight because at the end he's fighting him by himself, basically. And I mean, yeah, and it's not really fair and square because uh, he already (laughs) Leroy had just fought like a room full of thugs, random guys biting bones in half or whatever. And, uh, you know, well, we don't know that that show enough knows really about that because that's that's part of the problem, though, right? Is at the end show enough kind of loses his his control and basically becomes an employee of Arcadian at the end of the movie. Right. And that, that I don't think is good for the character of the story. I think you remove that and show enough creates this monumental fight and you don't need all the little henchmen people. You just need the two of them. And I think you have a much stronger story at that point. I really want one of our friends to cosplay show enough. And then I want to be one of the uh, thugs that he travels with. (laughs) (laughs) Their, Their outfits were all just so ridiculous. It was amazing. Yeah, they they were they were kind of crazy at times. I, yeah. I agree. So what else? Anything else you guys want to cover on this one? Well, I want to know, like, the ultimate question. Did you guys like this movie? No. <laughs> okay. I will not be watching it again. I definitely liked parts of it. I really did like, like parts of it. Um, like I've said, there, it's not a great film. There's some significant problems with it, but I think if, if someone had just given it to a, some other script writer to do some rewrites, I think they could have had a really solid martial arts Kung, Kung Fu film in here. It was really funny. Cause at one point I got kind of bored and I was distracting Derek while we were watching it. And he it's towards the end and he looks at me and he's like, I've been waiting almost two hours to see this fight. And like <laughs> he gets kind of short with me and I'm like, Oh, Oh, okay. Well, okay. Well, I, I need to ask at some point you sent a message to our little group chat saying, what even is this movie? Where in the movie were you at that point? Like the second or third scene after like, <laughs> jumping from like one to two cuts and no explanation why we went from this guy to this guy to this guy there's my no guess was it was the movie theater scene um, that was my guess i think it was arcadian at first oh, okay fair enough because i was like what is this what is <laughs> happening so good that was basically the exact reaction i wanted so <laughs> you gave me exactly what i was looking for Woo! Fair enough. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Right. Um, so. <laughs> Show enough. Show enough. Um, so fun, fun story, guys. By kind of accident, because of our scheduling changes, we're actually celebrating the 35th anniversary of this movie. Ooh. I knew right that. Now. Just this, kidding. Uh, I didn't know that. 
Yeah, the movie opened March 22nd, 1985. Wow. That's really so, cool. Yeah. Random. So that that worked out kind of nice. You know, originally this was going to be in, in April, an April topic, uh, because we had Planet Comic Con and then we were going to have uh, New Mutants and some other things were coming up. But now, you know, you got we got to hit its anniversary, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that is neat. Mm-hmm. We should have promoted it that way. We, we should have, but I didn't realize that's what it was. It's, In all fairness, been, we haven't promoted this episode yet. So. That's true. We we've been know kind of going to happen. Right, exactly. We've been kind of flying by the seat of our pants on this the last couple of weeks and uh, trying to get into a routine. But I think we found our we found our footing. This will work and we'll improve. Our audio quality will improve as we, we get gotta used to it. we got to figure out how to live stream. Yeah, we're going to work on that. And so uh, that's going to be somewhere in our Facebook group. Uh, facebook.com slash group slash screen heroes be sure to join the group out there so you can keep up to date with the show any changes and see those live streams once we kind of get them all figured out um anything else you guys want to touch on before we wrap up no nope okay all right well then with that in mind um i'll go ahead and close things out like i said we'll be back next week to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the live action film. I'm very excited to talk about that. Um, you can find Ryan at Buster Props. You can find Ray at Siren Ray. I am the Star Trek dude. Like I said, we have a Facebook group. I would really appreciate it if you come talk to us out there. We've been posting lots of articles and memes and polls and all that good stuff. So facebook.com slash group slash screen heroes. Join us out there. Or you can follow us on Twitter at screen heroes pod. You can also subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Podcast Addict. You can stream it right from our website at heroespodcasts.com. Follow us on our Facebook page, which is the Heroes Podcast Network. You can find us at Heroes Podcasts on Facebook as well. And I think that's going to do it for us, guys. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next time. Guys, am I the meanest? Am I the meanest? Show enough. Am I the prettiest? Show enough. Am I the baddest mofo low down around this town? Show enough. Boom. <laughs>